Warriors playoff basketball is back. What up, Dub Nation, to another episode of the Catch and Dubs podcast. We're your host, I'm Ethan, and I am joined by my duo, my splash bro, and my co-host, Zach. You know, aftermath, after tonight, Warriors are up 2-0. and um, How are you feeling about this series so far, my guy? I mean, I'm hella excited to see 2-0 and after comfortable wins. So, like... Let me see. What are you feeling? What are you feeling? <laughs> um, uh, I, I think I th- I'm going to, I'm going to keep it a buck and I'm ke- going to keep it 100 to all the people who said that the Warriors would struggle with the Nuggets. It's cloud I behavior. I, I, I don't see too many weaknesses or the Warriors struggling at all. Nuggets can't guard the whatever the name for this lineup is. The death lineup part two. I've seen uh, I've seen PTSD be a nickname. I like PTSD. Go, that that sounds can, fire, go, no lie. We can go through it later on. The but death lineup later on. The Warriors two got a two oh series lead heading to Denver for Thursday. And they got these two wins in convincing fashion, both blowouts. Um, so, I mean, a good start to the series. Um, Steph. It was like the elephant in the room, right? Steph coming back off the bench. We wouldn't so know Steph, how he felt. I thought Steph was going to be in a slump. I mean, that's just me not being optimistic, but. He was, he was going to shoot tour dates? Yeah, I thought he was. I thought it was going to be the after the breaking the record slump where he was shooting four for 16. But no, nah, he was 34 points in 23 minutes, which I think was a record. So, I mean, he is him. Steph is always on another level, but my man Jordan Poole has been on another level. And I think he was set a record for the youngest. He had 30, I think. Yeah. 30, so I think he, he had 30 old. on Saturday, and I think he had 29 some, or 30 something. 29, 29, I think. 29 tonight. And then those are the hot topic. And then you have Clay just silently just hitting 20 plus a night. Draymond locking up the defending MVP and Andrew Wiggins doing what Andrew Wiggins does best, baby. Defense and easy buckets. So the Warriors got a 2-0 series lead. I know there's there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack on these uh, last two games. I do want to start off with um, Steph, right? Um, I guess there were reports saying that he wanted to come off the bench. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, how Steph? Yeah. Like, what do you but, think about it? What do you think about that? Um, well, Jordan Poole is better than him, so yes, I I agree <laughs> with that. I agree with that. Um, uh, I think I'm not opposed to it. Um, I think he can. Um. I'd rather not because I want Steph. If this team's legit enough, they've shown me through two games now that they're legit in the whole thing. And I need that finals MVP on his resume. So the only way he's going to get that is that he starts. And I don't want Jordan. I love Jordan Poole, but he can't take that finals MVP from Steph because Steph doesn't have that yet on his resume. And he needs it. We already have Andre Godala stealing it. And Katie took both of those. 
So um, I'm not opposed to stuff coming off the bench. I'd rather he start. Um, but I think with Jordan Poole being such in such a nice rhythm, I, I don't want to mess any of that up. So, I mean, that comes to like talks of like, like, do you start Steph, Poole, Clay, Wiggs, and Jared? Do you start off that death lineup right off the bat? Or like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, against the Nuggets, now that you know the Nuggets can't guard it, yes. Um, against a team like the Suns, probably. Mm. Maybe. Um, I do like Kevon Looney with a prominent big um, on the opposing side. Um, I do like Kevon Looney starting the game. For example, in the future, if the Warriors get to that point of DeAndre Aiden, um, I mean, against the, if they play the Grizzlies or the Timberwolves, I think Cat is another problem that the Warriors could face. But I think... We'll get into that with how Draymond has handled Jokic. I think I have full faith in the death lineup or PTSD, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing about that death lineup has to be Jordan Poole, right? Um, There's also different factors in that death lineup, but I do want to touch upon Jordan Poole. The guy had 30 points in his playoff debut. Yes, I know that the play-in tournaments are not really playoff games, but they are playoff-like atmospheres. And he performed well against the Lakers and the Grizzlies. The fact that you come in to game one with your playoff debut and basically like kind of like the, the forefront of that offense and you drop 30. I mean, it was magnificent to see like he was controlling the offense um, and controlling the pace when he's out there. And it made me question why, why he wasn't the most improved player finalist. Um, we can start this topic, but. Why do you think John Morant is a finalist, but not Jordan Poole? Uh, I don't like to use expletives on the podcast, and I'm not going to use one, but for all the kids listening, um, but I think it's complete uh, BS that Jordan Poole was not the most improved player finalist. And he's showing it through the first two games of the playoffs. John Morant is a very good player. He's a top top three pick. He's second pick in the 2019 NBA draft, 2018 NBA draft, something like that, um, right behind Zion. And some people can make an argument for him going number one. Um, okay. But last year in the playing game versus the Warriors, I believe he put up 30-plus points. He had five rebounds, seven assists. They beat the Warriors and moved on to the first round series against Utah Jazz. He averaged over 30 points a game, five five assists, seven seven assists, five rebounds. And you're telling me that him, with how he performed in the 2021 postseason, he improved now because just because the Grizzlies are a 2C. Yeah, you can make that. I I just don't understand how you make that argument when he had already taken a leap last year to get in at the time when he was playing in the playing game and in the first round series. And now doesn't correlate. Dejounte Murray and Darius Garland deserving candidates, but Jordan Poole was snubbed. I'm just just keeping it a buck. Jordan Poole was snubbed, and he's going to show you throughout this postseason why he was snubbed and how much money he's going to make this offseason. Which the Warriors better give them? Which the Warriors better give them? I definitely agree. When you talk about seeding, it would be the most valuable player. But if you look at the stats and you look at the records, 
with and without John Morant. I think the Grizzlies without John Morant are like 20 and like... They're better. They're better without John Morant. (laughs) They're better without John Morant. A Memphis Grizzlies team without John Morant beat a full-strength Phoenix Suns team. That's how how good they are without John Morant. Which, like, I think he was put on this list because of how... How the Grizzlies improved dramatically from a playing team to two seed. I mean, you can get it. You can say the same thing about the Warriors. They were a playing team last year, now they're the three seed. I mean, Draymond didn't play most of the year. Steph was out at the end of the year, and Clay did. Clay only played half the season. I mean, who making buckets for the Warriors? It was Jordan Poole. So I, I just don't understand the voting system at all. Um. I think yeah, I think I think they got everything right for the MVP. I think the defensive player of the year. I think Marcus Smart, who won it, was deserving of it. But I just don't understand how Bam wasn't on that list. Um, uh, rookie of the year. I think that's all right with Scotty Barnes, Kay Cunningham, and Evan Mobley. Um, Those but, three are pretty much locked up. Yeah, most improved player made, made no sense to not put Jordan Poole on that list. So that's all. I mean. I want to make this other argument too. John Morant was a rookie of the year. And exactly. And he was a top five pick. So, I mean, I know. And you look at that story and you look at Jordan Poole's story. Last year in the first half of the season, Jordan Poole was in the G League. And now he's basically like the second option. Jordan on, Poole on the was, a 20, was a 20, was a 28th pick of the NBA draft in the first round. He wasn't invited into the green room where most of the first round draft picks sit. He was he was sitting in the audience and was drafted when he was in the audience. That's how and 20, 27 teams passed on him. I mean, I just don't understand. I, I, the voting system makes no sense in the NBA. I, I just don't understand. Um, and I want to give praise and props to all the people who put Jordan Poole number one on their ballot. Shout out, shout out Bill Simmons. Shout out. <laughs> Agreed. Most improved player should be on individual stats, not team stats. I feel like that's where media members are trying to base this award off of a team stat where in reality it should be an individual stat. If it's individual stat, 100% Garland, Murray, and Jordan Poole, not John Morant. And not to discredit John Morant in a way, but it's just, it doesn't make any sense. So moving on from that whole most improved player controversy. I do want to talk about our new death lineup we have here. Uh, I know we talked about it briefly. Um, PTSD, if you don't know what that is, that's a new nickname that people are starting to come up with. It's Poole, Thompson, Steph, and Dre. Or you got Fast Five. I don't know what the new nickname is. But or we I can like, just call it. <laughs> I know, I know. I know you, you told me earlier. But I feel like the most underrated aspect of this lineup, Andrew Wiggins. Because Okay, but I mean, I feel like him being aggressive on the rebounding because, um, you know, this team, this lineup is small. You don't you have Steph, Clay and Poole who aren't that big and you have Draymond who is technically like six, nine and you have Andrew Wiggins. And having that rebounding presence, him being aggressive, having eight rebounds tonight in game two, I don't know what he had in game one. Eight boards. He had nine boards in game one. Yeah. So having those 
like 17 boards in two games is great. I mean, you need that um, rebounding presence, especially against a team like the Nuggets who had offense on tonight. And it showed today in game two where they out-rebounded the Warriors by like 12, I think. So, I mean, if Wiggins can keep up um, this defensive presence, his rebounding pressure on the rim, and just kind of be a slasher, I mean, the Warriors are in a great spot. Um, And I think Wiggins can definitely be that fourth option, uh, third or fourth option. And just... Like I've, been, like I've been saying all year, I don't need a lot from Andrew Wiggins. I understand that he gets paid way too much money for what he does, but I don't need a lot. And what he's been doing the past two games works for me. Getting rebounds, playing playing great defense, and getting easy buckets. That's all he needs to do. Um, yeah. And occasionally hit, hit a couple threes. And he, <laughs> he's hit some both games one and two. I know for a $30 million a year player, this is not what I should be expecting under Andrew Wiggins, but it's Andrew Wiggins. So, um, I mean, Andrew Wiggins is playing the Harry B role quite well right now. Yeah, he is. And I think he can... Overpriced Harry B, let me clarify. Yeah, but I mean, if he can pick and choose his spots, he can definitely get like 20, 20-ish plus a game if he can. You know, he's open mostly every single time. It's just... Does he want to take those contested fadeaway jumpers or does he want to attack the rim? It's his call. Um, I do want to talk about how the Warriors are defending Jokic. Um, Dre and Loon are doing a magnificent job. I was kind of worried about this series because I thought Jokic would have controlled the pace and how the tempo of this game would be ran. And they legit made him work. In both games, I think game one, they made him had like 25 points on like 25 shots, which is pretty bad efficiently. And tonight, I think he had 26 on nine to 20 shooting. So, I mean, you tire him out offensively and you tire him out defensively when you run high pick and rolls involving Jokic. And I feel like when you tire Jokic on this depleted Nuggets team, I feel like it's much like a wrap. So, like, how do you? How what, do you Draymond, what Draymond Green showed tonight against Nikola Jokic is why he should have more defensive player of the years, and it's why it's a travesty that he only has one. I've gotten into who's won the other defensive player of the years when he should have won it. There was a there was a season where Kawhi Leonard won it because he had more first place votes. Should have won it that year, and he should. He should have have at least one from Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert does not deserve the amount of defensive player of the years he has, and that's once again me slamming Rudy Gobert. But you know we're all used to it; it's fine. But Draymond Green showed, like I said, why he should have more defensive player of the year. He, Nikola Jokic probably I think he's seven one, seven foot. Draymond Green's only six eight. Um. I, I just want to put into perspective how wild and how the Warriors, how badly the Warriors destroyed the Nuggets with the lack of size that they have. It's it's just because that the the Nuggets can't guard three shooters. They don't have the it's pace. It's exa- pace, bro. Exactly. They don't have the what was I going to say? Lost my train of thought. The defense. Uh, the personnel to spread out. 
guy Jordan Poole got there. There were points in this game where the place was pace was so fast that Clay was just wide open in the corner for a three, and not normal. It's not normal that you have Clay wide open for a three. I mean, that's the benefit you have when you have three short shooters um, in a starting lineup, and then you have the offensive threat of. Andrew Wiggins, majority of the time that some teams can be afraid of, but you know, sometimes uh, aggressive Andrew Wiggins comes out. And I mean, Draymond's been shooting threes. So it's like 2016 Draymond. I think the reason why the, the new death lineup has so much success against the Nuggets is because of how the offense is usually played for the Nuggets. The Nuggets offense is played through Nikola Jokic. And his game is usually slow, control the tempo, play through his game. And the fact that the Warriors decided to say, oh, screw that. We're going to play 100 miles an hour both ways. It has worked both games because Jokic is literally tired after like the middle of the third quarter. We've seen his body language after games one and two. He's like, you can see him um, breathing really hard, slow to get up and down the court. It's just him just being tired. And I feel like the Warriors have been doing a great job, like I said before, making him work on both ends and making him earn every single point. It's just a testament to this new death lineup that Steve Kerr wants to put out. And he's chasing chasing wins this time. He is chasing wins. And I'm I'm just saying that you add the defensive presence of GP2, who, by the way, blocked Nikola Jokic tonight and got under skin a little bit, a little, a little bit of a ass slap, and then Jokic got love, mad it was about a love tap. It was a love yeah, tap. Bro. Jokic got mad at that, which for me doesn't make any sense. But you know, it's got to get under your opponent's skin somehow. I um, mean, it worked. Um, but it's just lovely. You know, it's lovely seeing Steve have some nine-man rotations, ten-man rotations max. So I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't have to see some of the players that I did not like watching during the regular season. And um, made us upset. And made yeah, us upset. <laughs> we know we know who some of those players are, but I mean, if you go to the obviously Iggy probably will be back for Thursday, hopefully, but you know, Iggy is I think he, I don't know how many games he played this year. Not many, but you like know, thirty games, I think. It's the old man. Um, but he still <laughs> makes an impact on the floor. Um, but I think if he doesn't go, I, we didn't see too much Kuminga tonight. But I, I, I'd be open to seeing Kuminga if we're if we're yeah. doing a nine ten man rotation. I don't know. I think I think Steve opted for uh, Belly, who he has been playing well. It's more like it's matchup based. Yeah, he's not. He's he's not out there getting cooked, which is what matters. And he's getting easy buckets. Um, but I mean, we saw Steph, Jordan, Poole, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, then Loon, Belly. There's seven. GP two, and Otto. So nine guys right there. Um, and then I think you you would probably go back to ten men with Iggy coming back. So I mean, I'd opt for Kamingo over Belly, but I mean. Matchup. It's honestly matchup. It's honestly matchup. But um, yeah, yeah. Um, last last topic. Just a little fun little topic. Um, Chase versus Oracle. Um, 
I know Chase had their the right here. Uh, this is a little. This is all the whole Twitter stuff. But uh, Chase had its first playoff game. Um, people saying it was loud who were at the arena, but it wasn't Oracle, as loud yeah. as Roracle. Um, Oracle has the. I'm gonna keep it. Keep it a buck, like I always do, baby. Yes, sir, baby. Oracle had the diehard fans um, throughout the playoffs. Chase Center. Diehard fans, they can't get in for how much, how expensive it is. Yeah. Um, including me, I, I, I'm looking at NBA Finals tickets. If the Warriors make it that far, I am not dropping. I mean, the NBA Finals are a lifetime experience, so you know maybe, but no, it's way too expensive. But I think Chase Center, you have it, you have the lower bowl filled with the silicon valley tech startup guys who are just there to get a beer and enjoy the a steph curry master class um but i mean i think chase center it, it sounded loud um um on tv so i mean i think nothing will beat oracle especially with those three championship three championships in that uh five-year period five six-year period but Steph Clay and Draymond built Chase. Uh, that's Chase Center is the house that Steph Clay and Draymond built. All three of them. That's what happened. You got Oracle, the success they had there, and it let, led to Chase Center being built. I mean, I think it's hard to compare, but I would probably give the edge to Oracle still. Of course, I mean, um, I've been to Oracle. I think it was way back in 2011 where. They weren't that good, but you can tell the atmosphere was like diehard. Um, I was I was able to go to a a Warriors game at Chase, and yeah, there were times where it did feel like Oracle, but it just wasn't the same anymore. I know, like the section two hundreds now is like where the nosebleed sections are. That's where like most of like the diehard fans are at this point. But like, um, I do kind of miss like the Oracle vibes. Although I was only like at Oracle for like two, three times in like 2011 when they weren't that good. But um, it's a new era, obviously. There's no point in trying to compare um, two eras of stadiums, two eras of basketball. I just wanted just to have that little fun little topic to talk about before we end the episode. So, yeah. And I'm going to give a bold prediction here that the Warriors second round opponent, if they get by the Nuggets, which hopefully they will. Not going to jinx anything. Um, the Minnesota Timberwolves is the team that they'll be playing in the second round. That, that series is going seven, a hundred percent. Though I still think the Grizzlies um, make it out. I think the home court. I think the Timberwolves are a tough, gritty team that can get the job done. Um, I think Anthony Edwards is a star in the making, just like Jordan Poole is. Um, Cat uh, D'Lo, Warriors legend, by the way. Um, I, I just uh, with the amount of inexperience, both teams have their inexperience. Cats obviously been, obviously been the playoffs. Dilo has. Um, both teams are inexperienced, but I think I'd give with how the Grizzlies have gotten to this point. I I, I just like the Grizzlies. I think they're the hotter team, and then I'm going to continue with this. The Suns sweep the Pelicans. It's a sweep. Um, I'm I'm gonna be honest. That's a sweep. Um, then I the Utah Jazz. I 
they're easily one of the most unserious basketball teams in the NBA <laughs> and have been since 1998 when they lost in the NBA Finals to MJ and the Bulls. So I don't, I don't trust the Utah Jazz. The Mavs will still win that, even if it's without Luka. Um, I don't know in how many games, probably six or seven. I'd, I'd say the Mavs in seven. Um, in the East, as much as I don't believe in Miami, I think Miami beats Atlanta in five. Um, I'm surprised with how poorly Toronto is playing. I understand that. I thought the Raptors would have given them a run for their money. They're without Gary Trent, Scotty Barnes, but I think the Sixers probably take that in five. Um, I think the Bucks sweep the Bulls. Um, I think the Bulls gave them a good shot on game one, but uh, I think Giannis will turn it up. And East is Milwaukee's to lose. Um, and then I think that's this, the Celtics-Nets series. That I need seven that games. That is such a banger. That is that's, such that's, a banger series. That series is so, going to be so good after what we saw in game one. But I'm, I, I, I do not see any way in KED and Kyrie losing. I just I don't see that. it. I see I the Nets in seven. seven. Nets in seven. That's what I'm saying. There's no way yeah. I am seeing KD and Kyrie lose that series. I am yeah. sorry. No, they're not losing that series. And sorry to Jason Tatum. I know he's been playing well, but I don't think KD and Kyrie lose that series. Um, although KD did kind of sell that game one. But there is a part of me. There is a part of me that thinks that the Celtics. I think the Celtics are the better team because the Nets don't play defense. But I, I just don't see any way KD and Kyrie lose that series at all. Um, KD but, and Kyrie can win games by themselves. Like I think they can win four games just by themselves. I mean. Yeah, I'd probably give it to the Nets. So those are my first round matchup predictions. And I obviously have the Warriors in five. So, I mean, they're on both only two more ways. So they could yeah. sweep the Nuggets, but I'm not going to jinx anything. Fuck Me that. neither. Oh. But um, mm-hmm. it looks really good so far. Um, they just got to keep momentum into game three at, I think, Pepsi Arena. I don't know what it's, it's called. It's the Ball Arena, I think. It's oh, not it Pepsi Center. We're at Pepsi Center. Oh, but um, I, this is a swing game. I think uh, before his win game three, it pushes the momentum their way. Um, obviously, it's a tough environment, especially with the altitude at Denver. So um, hoping they focus up um, and just keep going, right? Uh, with their 14 wins away. From a 14 wins away. Keep the count. Yeah. Keep the count. Keep the count. 14 count, wins away. Um, 14. And yeah, I'm so excited to see where they're heading next. Yeah, damn straight. That'll conclude episode number 84 or something like that. Eight, episode 85. I don't remember the number, man. It's all good. Know, we just, we're just keeping the buck here. We're just letting it roll. That made yeah. no sense, but that'll conclude episode number 84. Um, Warriors are up 2-0 in the series, and we'll catch you in the next episode. <laughs>